Welcome to Him for Her Radio, women's hot topics. Ladies, this show is for you. Find clarity, discernment, and discover who you are in Jesus Christ, all while exploring the hot topics of the day. She's an evangelist, founder, and president of Him for Her Ministries, and she's here to tell it like it is. Your host, Suge Burry. What happened if you say what you want to say? Hello, my friends. Oh, my goodness. Are you in for an eye-popping show today? I, you're going to be so surprised at what we talk about. Um, you know, I am so blessed and thankful um, that we have a Lord who gives us direction in his word. And today the debate is about the size and the role of government. Today's show is called Invasion of the Government Part 3. And the government has huge implications for the lives of individuals all over the world. Important as that issue is, Christians are divided, uh, especially right now at a time such as this. What does Scripture tell us about our actions? How should we act as Christians when the government does something that we don't agree on? What does Scripture say about government? When is the civil disobedience allowed for a Christian? That's really the big question. And I'm going to try to keep this discussion nonpartisan. I want to look at it from the 30,000-foot view. We need unity as Christians. We need to come together in this. Male, female, Republican, Democrat, Independent, does not matter. This is a conversation that we need to talk about and get it out in the open. But who do we have here? But one of my favorite people to my left is Miss Reagan Kramer. Reagan, thank you for coming on the show. It's a joy, Shug. Thanks for asking me again. Yeah, you know, I need you today, Reagan. I need you and our guests you know why? to inform me. Because yes. you're a medical person, and um, I start to glaze over. So if I glaze over, we guys get too medical, uh, you know, just give me a pinch. Okay, I'll do that. Um, but what I think is important today is that this is Series 3 and 4 of Invasion of the Government. Please listen to Part 1 and 2. Um, Reagan, would you tell us a little bit about our guest and what we already covered in the first two shows? Absolutely. Dr. Scott Jensen is a family doc. He's been a family doc for about 35 years and um, pretty brilliant in medicine. And a couple of years back, he decided to run for state senator and he's just finishing his term um, as a Minnesota state senator. So welcome, Dr. Jensen and Senator Jensen. And um, yay, we're so glad you're here again. And we did show one and two um, a couple weeks back. And Listeners, you, you got to get on uh, YouTube or mm -hmm. any of the platforms for podcast to listen to show one and two, where we talked about a lot of the uh, things going on in that time with COVID-19, maybe some of the lack of transparency in our government at that time related to COVID-19, death rates, um, some of the decisions of the governors for the shutdown during that time, and also just the fear factor, what's mm -hmm. going on in our state and in our country fear right now. Fear formula. Yeah, Dr. Jensen called it the fear formula. Yeah, so you got to go back and listen to you gotta that. you got to see it. I'd like to see, do you agree with it or not? Yeah. We got good comments on Facebook on it. Yeah, amazing. So we're so thankful you're here, and we're ready to pop in and talk about some more deep questions and current events. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd like to just get to the heart of it, really. Um, you know, the new vaccine is just coming out. It's just being released. Um, I have a question um, about this, if I could. Senator um, and doctor, I don't know which which one. What do you want us to call you? Doctor's fine. Otherwise, Scott. I like Senator Dr. Scott Jensen. <laughs> Just like make it one big, long title. But um, thank you again for coming on. And my question is, I've already had COVID, like I probably think twice. Um, should I get the vaccine? 
Well, that's a, that's a big question. And to unpack it, I think we have to ask ourselves, do we know you had COVID? Uh, do we have a positive yes, PCR positive. test? Mm-hmm. And then the other question is, do we know if you have antibodies? Because if you ask yourself the question, why are we taking the vaccine? The people that have made the vaccine, the government that's recommending it, is hoping that you'll create antibodies so that you will be immune to COVID-19 if you're exposed to it. That will help move us towards herd immunity. So if you've had it and you have antibodies, and that's the objective of the vaccine, why would you take the vaccine? Mm -hmm. So I think that in some of the countries in Europe, They've been talking about nationwide mass vaccination programs, regardless of whether or not you've had it or not. That's problematic in multiple levels because, one, there will be a limited amount of vaccine doses. Two, if a person who's already had COVID-19 doesn't want to, they certainly should not have to. And three, if you look at Dengvaxia, which is a vaccine against dengue fever, that was used in the Philippines quite a few years ago. And unfortunately, they did not realize that by doing a mass vaccination program, the public health people that carried out this program ended up causing potentially over 100 deaths in students. Because what we had done in that situation was vaccinated kids that had already had dengue fever. And so we were giving them the second episode of it, Mm. if you will. And that can be lethal. With dengue fever, the first time, most of the time people get through it, it's the second time that's so problematic. And if we're doing it the second time with a vaccine, it's problematic. If that same concern could conceivably or theoretically exist with this vaccine, then you might not want to vaccinate people who have already had the disease and continue to have the antibodies Mm -hmm. present. So it may be appropriate to allow people to go ahead and get the antibody titer done. It's a blood test, easily done. Yeah, but I thought they told me it'd be 150 bucks to have the test. Maybe I'm sure that the cost of the test. I think the (laughs) the cost of the test is is if you will, negotiable. Yeah. But I'm going to guess that the manufacturer of these tests could probably do it for $25 if mm-hmm. they so chose. Mm-hmm. But in terms of their profit margin and whether or not the insurance companies are going to cover it. But if we're going to be doing a mass vaccination program and we want to stretch our supply as far as we can, it makes no sense to waste it on someone who has already achieved the result that you're seeking. Sure. Mm-hmm. Am I accurate in saying that COVID-19 still has a 99% recovery rate? Yes, actually, you could add another nine, 99.9%. Recovering. People who get it, that's how many will recover. Yeah, approximately. We're Right now, If you, part of it depends upon if you're looking at the case fatality rate or the infectious fatality rate. The mm-hmm. case fatality rate is that grouping of people that we look at that has had confirmed cases. Okay. But for every confirmed case, many of the people in the Department of Health in Minnesota have said, for every confirmed case, we still believe there's probably five or six times that. Mm-hmm. So if in Minnesota we've had 500,000 cases, and for every one we've identified there are six more, then that would be six times five, that would be three million. Mm -hmm. For instance, I don't show up on the Department of Health documentation because I never had a PCR test. I didn't Mm -hmm. know I had it until a month later when I was advised. So I've had the positive serology blood test, but the Department of Health has not asked for that information. So our reference laboratory company, we use LabCorp, Mm -hmm. they sent me the results back. Yes, you've got positive IgG antibodies, Dr. Jensen. I checked with the Department of Health. Do you want this information? They said, no, we're not looking for that information. Mm -hmm. They're just looking at the PCR data. So someone like me who in the rearview mirror has had it, it won't show up on their data. That's partly why they can say there's probably five or six times this many, Mm -hmm. if that helps. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. But with a 99, over 99% recovery rate, wouldn't it just make sense to you as a physician to give the vaccination to the most vulnerable people? <laughs> And I think the Department of Health is saying that as well. They're saying, okay, okay let's go, you know, 1A, 1B, 1C, and then we'll move mm-hmm. to the next levels. But what is 1A? 1A is the frontline healthcare workers, not all healthcare workers, because there are many healthcare workers that never come in contact with COVID-19. But the frontline people, the people yeah. in the emergency room, the nurses taking care of them, the ICU folks, all those folks. And then also the people that live and work in the long-term care facilities. That's the group that we're going to target first. But even there, even there, a sticky question comes up. Should it be mandatory? I was what if, just going to ask that question. Yeah, what if you have a nurse mm-hmm. who absolutely has strong convictions, is just a terrific nurse, he or she does a great job taking care of COVID-19 patients, doesn't panic, has just that wonderful attitude of caring, and you're going to say, if you don't take the vaccine, you don't work for us? Do you think that's going to happen? Well, it's happened in this in this state previously when mm-hmm. a group of uh, people were fired from a clinic because they wouldn't take the flu vaccine. Yep. So we know it happens. I tried to get a bill passed, but I couldn't get it through the Senate and the House. But I think there's already a precedent mm-hmm. whereby people that refuse to take certain vaccines that the employer says they have to have been and can be fired. Really? That just Do we live in America? I sometimes have to ask myself that with all the crazy stuff that's going on nowadays, that's for sure. Do you think the vaccine is safe? And there's different companies. And, and I think, again, safe is a relative term. Mm-hmm. Do I think the vaccine has caused any deaths? Not that I know of. Do I think that there's a concern about the possibility of Bell's palsy? Well, one study had shown four cases. We don't have really, if you will, that link of causality, Mm -hmm. but we certainly have to pay attention. We always learn more once the numbers get bigger. At this point in time, I'm encouraged by the data. I'm encouraged by the vaccine. I had a patient ask me this morning. He's 84 years old, has had multiple problems with asthma, been in the hospital for pneumonia. And he asked me, should I get the vaccine? And I said, I would. I Mm -hmm. I said, frankly, I said, with your medical situation, if you get the disease, you have a 20% chance of dying. Mm -hmm. If you look at that age population over 80, it isn't one out of a thousand for him. It's going to be 200 out of 1,000 in his grouping. So I said, you know, if you take the vaccine, it could help you. If you don't, you have an 80% chance of surviving. Mm -hmm. But when you're talking 80-20, that's a whole lot Mm -hmm. different than talking 999 to 1. Mm -hmm. So to me, I think that we do, this vaccine and the development of it is is a wonderful demonstration of what can be done. But we have to look at the flip side. This is an mRNA vaccine. This is not a vaccine that's ever, this mechanism has never been found before for a vaccine program. We've never done this. I don't know what that means, mRNA. mRNA vaccine is one that actually, we're not sending a snippet of foreign material into our body so that our immune system will recognize it and create antibodies. We're actually sending a piece of an RNA uh, strand that will go into our cells Mm -hmm. and redirect some of the machinery in our cytoplasm to create antigenic material that will then be distributed into our body and cause our immune system to, if you will, react to that, identify it as foreign and create antibodies and even have a T-cell immune response. Mm -hmm. So what that means is we're actually having instructive material injected into our body. Now, the question is, and it's come up many times, could there be a potentiality for that RNA to somehow get into the nucleus of our cells and conceivably bring about some sort of 
genomic transformation of what our basic chromosomes have. And what I have read and what we've been told and what Pfizer has told us is that all the work of the mRNA vaccine is done in the cytoplasma. If you think of the cell as an avocado, you've got that big pit. That's the nucleus. Then you've got the fruit that we eat. That's the cytoplasm. Then you've got the firm skin around it. That's the cell wall. Those are the three key components you need to understand regarding a cell. When we give this vaccine, the vaccine gets through the cell wall into the cytoplasm or the fruit of the avocado, but it cannot get into the pit. If it got into the pit, it would be an entirely different story. Then we have to really worry about what are we potentially doing to the DNA of mankind going forward. Wow. You know, it's a, it, it, I, and as I'm listening to you, Scott, I, it, it's just amazing. I'm, first of all, my first thought is there are some really intelligent people out there who even come up with this design for a vaccine that can think about doing that uh, with DNA, et cetera. And then I also think, look at how God wired us. He's wired us so beautifully um, as, as far as all of the cells and the DNA and the way we're put together. I mean, how could someone not believe in God, Reagan? I don't know. As Amen. I start to hear and learn more about this Amen. as well. It, but, you know, the part that really confuses me is there seems to be a relationship, of course, with the medical field and the government, et cetera. And then, of course, our governor has come out recently extending the lockdown through uh, January. Uh, in, I believe it's January 10th um, and, and telling us what we should do um, as far as family gatherings, how many people you can have, no restaurants will be open, although I did find it funny, I don't know if you did, Reagan, that he said you can have outdoor dining. Do you guys know we're in Minnesota? I mean, it's, it's like, almost January. I know. It's like, you know, it, it, pretty soon it's going to be like 20 below before you know it. So I think that I think that would kill anything that's out there. But my question is, as he comes out, as he shares with us um, what we should do and what we should not do um, do you think that there's some invasion of the government when it comes to our constitutional rights of freedom? I think there's a tremendous amount of invasion. But if I could turn the tables on you, Shug, and say that you just said that the governor is telling us what to do, when we can do it, how we can do it, if we can do it. Imagine yourself in a relationship with someone mm-hmm. and that person tried to do those same things. We'll we'll just take the physical realm out of it. But just those things, I'm going to tell you what you can do, when you can do it, how you can do it, why you can do it, if you can do it. Doesn't that sound like an abusive relationship? Mm, Interesting. Isn't that what the governor has basically put in play with Minnesotans, especially if it's all about what the governor wants and he says, I want you to do this, I want you to do this, I might allow you to do this. But don't we have the, the right as citizens to say, why? Mm-hmm. And shouldn't the why be compelling? Yeah. And I don't think we're getting it. We're getting the commands, but we're not getting the why. Mm-hmm. We didn't get the why with the modeling. When the modeling came out, and we're going to have 74,000 Minnesotans dying, yeah. then 29,000, then a, almost 1,000 per day in July. Mm-hmm. We never got the data. Mm-hmm. We never got to be convinced. It was almost as if we don't have the right or the opportunity to be given the information that would help us mm-hmm. get on board. This feels like an abusive relationship. Well, you know what puzzled me, too, is I I listened to it several times to make sure I heard it right. He said at least three times, what we're doing is not working. What we're doing is not working. 
and and meaning, um, you know, he he did see the trends start to go down after Thanksgiving, et cetera. But he's still saying what we're doing is not working. And then they talked about schools reopening and teachers having double masks on. But then when they were asked about the statistics, you know, what what how did you decide this? How do you come upon it? And they didn't have statistics to prove that this would be effective. Well, in fact, of the matter is when the governor said we're not going to allow people to go to restaurants or bars until uh, January 10th, the Hospitality Association came out and pointed out a really critical salient fact. And they said, okay, lockdown was put in on place, I think, on November 18th or 20th. I think it was the 20th. And the first day, with an incubation period of 3 to 14 days, the first day you could really expect to see an impact from the lockdown would have been November 23rd. And then they took it all the way as far as they could in their data point. It was like December 10th or whatever. But they looked at that time frame. And during that time frame, if the lockdown was going to work, the positivity rate of the testing of 10.9% should have been dropping. I mean, if the lockdown's working, it should have been dropping. But two or three weeks after November 23rd, the positivity rate was 10.9%. It hadn't moved. So... When you say, we're going to put you in lockdown to bring this about, and it doesn't happen. Or you could take the other perspective. We were told that we weren't good boys and girls for Thanksgiving. We got together with Grandma when we shouldn't because she doesn't live in our household. We're going to have a surge. We're going to have this post-Thanksgiving bump, and it's all our fault. Well, that didn't happen. So then we're told the reason it didn't happen was because the governor put the lockdown in place. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is so typical of politicians' behavior. One way or another, they're going to find a way to spin it so they can run a victory lap based on what they did, regardless of whether it helped or hurt. Mm. Ladies, this is Shugbury, and I'm with him for her radio, Women's Hot Topics. Ladies, this is a hot topic. So hot you can hardly even touch it. It's controversial. I mean, stuff is going on that's dividing families as well. There's disorder, confusion, Christians are not sure. Families are being separated. There's arguing. There's political matters that people don't agree on. And Reagan, don't you think from time to time it sounds like a spiritual warfare? I was just going to say that. And you're a God-fearing man, Scott. You love Jesus. I do. You follow him. And the lack of transparency, confusion, oppression, disorder, like you just said, Shug, like our God is a God of order. And when I look at these things and I talk to people that— aren't talking to their families. They have disunity in their family because of, you know, different things related to COVID-19. How do we, how do we like pray for this unity and understand that there could be a spiritual battle in the heavenlies above us because this seems so evil? Mm-hmm. That's a big question. That's a, that's a galaxy kind of question. I would have to probably lean into the word. I would have to go to well, probably Psalm 4610, where we're told, be still and know that I am God. I think sometimes we so desperately want to improve things, we want answers that we forget that we're supposed to sometimes just be still. And in the stillness, sometimes that's when we can best hear who we're supposed to be I think sometimes as humans, we want to convince the other person of how right we are. And I think sometimes Steve Covey with his seek first to understand, then be understood. 
there was a wisdom of that to, to me just smacks so much of what Jesus instructed us to do. He was always dealing with the brash, strong character of Peter. And how many times did Jesus have to say, Peter, Peter? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and Peter grew tremendously. And that's a testimony to God's leading. So I don't have the answers to those kind of big questions. I'm a Norwegian kid from sleep yet. <laughs> you know, I love God's word because it does direct us and it does give us wisdom. And in Romans 12, too, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good, acceptable and perfect. And I think you're exactly right, Senator, that, you know, we need to lean into the Lord we need to pray, I, I believe, wholeheartedly first in prayer, friends. If you're having any angst over everything that's going on, maybe you disagree with what's happening, maybe you're not sure, maybe you're confused, I mean, really start in prayer first. Give it to God. Father God, give me wisdom. Give me discernment. Help me to know, Lord, what truth is, and um, show me the way from that. And ladies, if you haven't asked Jesus into your heart, that's where it starts. We need to first say yes to Jesus to get the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And the Holy Spirit is a person, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he guides us, he comforts us, he leads us, and he whispers in our ear this way, I love you. And so ladies, I want you to remember that in the middle of this chaos, middle of the craziness, maybe you're upset, maybe your restaurants are shut down. I want you to first seek Christ on all things, and then follow his leading Mm. from there. Shug, if I could just jump in on that, I think that's powerful. But today I was finishing up the last day of a 21-day Daniel study, and in it, this last day, it said, see the door into your future. It didn't say, see your future. Mm -hmm. It said, see the door. And I found that to be the case in my life so many times. I don't get to know the path ahead. It's not like a map. What oftentimes I'm led is I just get to see the door. And once I walk through that door, I don't even know what's going to happen on the other side of it. It might be terribly frightening. It might be embarrassing. It might make me nervous. It might make me anxious. But I think that's our lives is we have a series of doors we're supposed to go to. You could almost compare to like a a fun house at the circus where you go in <laughs> and you pay your 50 cents and now you're walking through this thing and you're going to come out in about 10 minutes. And on the way, you're going to walk through many doors and you're probably going to inadvertently walk right into a wall or a mirror. But that's sort of the way our lives are constructed on this mm-hmm. earth. As Paul uh, said, we see dimly now. We'll mm-hmm. see clearer later. Mm-hmm. But for now, sometimes I think it has to be enough just to see the door. Mm-hmm. And once we've seen the door, then we'll see another door. Mm-hmm. Amen. I love your transparency and your your humility, Scott. And so I'm very thankful for that because we don't know the answers. None of us know all of them, but we do have Jesus. And I my prayer is that everyone listening will know who they are in Jesus Christ and that they have a God that covers them with his wing because he loves them and that we do not need to fear, as it says in 2 Timothy 1, 7, he wants us to have power, love, and sound mind in the Holy Spirit. And so day by day, we get in the Word, we pray, and we love our neighbors, and we love our families in the way that we can right now. And that will increase the unity that we have 
um, and build those bridges that you talked about. Yeah. And ladies mm-hmm. also, um, what Romans 13 tells us, I'm going to bait you with this just a little bit if I could for our next show. Um, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Okay, let's ponder that. Let's think about that. For there's no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. So now the question that we're going to talk about in the mm-hmm. fourth show is, when is civil disobedience against government okay? We're going to talk about it at the next show. Senator Scott Jensen, thank you so much for coming on. I dearly appreciate it and I value and we will be praying for you um, for your future and also as well for your discernment. Reagan Kramer, love you, babe. Thank you so much for coming on. John Berg, thank you for producing the show. Thank you, Shug. Johnny, you learning back there? Oh, taking notes. I got a, I got a full notebook back <laughs> Amen. here. Amen. Amen. Ladies, this is Sugbury. Him for her radio women's hot topics. We got a hot topic coming up. Can't wait to talk about it. You know I love you. Over and out. It's sad that governments are achieved by the double tongues. Hey, ladies, this is Sugbury, and I'm the host of Him for Her Radio, Women's Hot Topics. I am so glad that you have found our show amongst the millions of podcasts that are out there. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, would you please do me a favor? Like it, rate it, thumbs up. We're on YouTube as well, so don't forget to find us there. You can watch our guests also. Please subscribe so you don't miss a show. We also have started Him for Her Crazy Testimonies. And each of our guests that we have on the show shares their personal testimony, how they receive Christ in their life. This is Suge Burry. You know I love you. Over and out.